Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another Think on Your Feet episode. If you've not listened to the previous episode, in which Calvin Wright went to the Historical Society of Arkham and from there to Arkham Asylum, I really suggest you listen to it, because what's about to follow could probably be big spoilers for that episode. If you're up to speed, you're ready to go, then sit back, relax, and given the circumstances we face... I've decided that I am going to read some of the introductory text to this this episode, this scenario, because I think it's worth covering. Several months have passed since the King in Yellow came to the Ward Theatre. You and your companions have been investigating the strange incidents that followed in its wake. What you found makes you question the wisdom of continuing your investigation. But the truth calls out to you, and you cannot help but answer. It seems you weren't the first to piece together the strange happenings surrounding the King in Yellow. Another group of investigators, led by one Calvin Wright, had been researching these events as well. Just a matter of days after the performance in Arkham, Calvin was admitted to the asylum, ranting about the King's return and the monsters that had attacked him. Somehow, this doesn't surprise you. The letters you'd received from a man named Zhao warned you that Calvin was in a fragile mental state and needed help. Calvin's fate makes you all the more certain you're on the right trail, and all the more certain that you should stop while you still have the chance. You found the records Calvin kept before his incarceration and picked up the trail where Calvin left off. Calvin had interviewed some of the cast and crew of The King in Yellow and discovered several pieces of vital information. His research also contains notes about his discoveries in Arkham's historical society and accounts from his time spent in the asylum, including interactions with a patient named Daniel Chesterfield. After a long night of compiling and comparing notes, you fall into a deep slumber. In your dreams, you are subjected to visions of Carcosa, its black stars, twin suns, shattered moons and twisted spires. Continue to dream one. Don't get lost. I felt like the dream sequence was so fantastic when I first experienced it that I wanted to try and do it with you guys. So we'll give it a go. What you can't see is that the dreams are presented out of numerical order, but I'll try and jump around as best I can. You fall through the empty abyss of Harleen. Creatures of unknown and impossible origin lurk just beyond the darkness of your sight. Hastur looms above you, magnificent and yet bound in his prison of madness, manipulating your torturous descent with a soul outstretched arm. Each investigator has earned the lost soul weakness. Shuffle one copy of this weakness into each investigator's deck. Let's take a look at it. It's a madness and a pact. It's uh, a weakness. Revelation. Check the campaign log. If you have more or equal doubt than conviction, well, we're on zero and zero, so this is what applies to us. Test intellect X, where X is your willpower. So that'd be a test of two for my investigator. If you fail, take two damage. Okay, dream two. Constance takes your hand and pulls you onto the polished dance floor. Come now, don't be shy. Tonight is a night for dancing, for celebration check the campaign log. If the king claimed its victims, it did, continue to dream eight. You peer in the mirror, and the strange appears back at you. His gaze drills into your mind. The mirror shatters. Check the campaign log. 
if there are three or fewer tally marks under Chasing the Stranger? Well, there are only two, the two we got from Curtain Call. So we continue to... Oh, no, we got one from Curtain Call and one from Last King. We continue to Dream Nine. You chase the stranger through dark, chilly passageways, composed of hundreds of thousands of skeletal bodies. Skulls watch as you run, their mouths rattling a mocking taunt as you pass. The stranger reaches a solid wall of bone and is grabbed by bony hands and pulled into the wall. Their mocking laughs reach an awful crescendo. Continue to dream 13. Daniel's voice calls out to you. They are opening the path to Carcosa. Continue to awakening. Okay, if you're covered in a cold sweat like I am after that experience, take a breather. I'm going to do the setup and then we'll dive into the scenario. back. Right, I've set up the scenario. I begin at Gardorsay, but who am I? I am Silas Marsh, the sailor. We had a couple of different votes for different people. Norman was a really great suggestion, but I was really nervous about starting Norman halfway through a campaign, and I was also quite nervous that certainly my experience with Norman is he takes a little while to build up the XP to become the real powerhouse Norman, and one of the challenges with taking over after the asylum is that you kind of need to be able to hit the ground running. I mean, this might still go disgustingly badly. I'm prepared for that. But yeah, so I'm Silas. Let's draw our opening hand and then we'll read setup because then you've got a chance to think about opening hand as I read things. One, two, three, four, five. We have Eureka, Guts, Take Heart, Unexpected Courage, and Cherished Keepsake. So only one asset and four skills. I'm not surprised there's a lot of skills because this is a pretty skill-heavy deck. I'm not going to do my mulligan yet. And I will do my mulligan. I think I keep the keepsake. Maybe I don't even keep the keepsake. Maybe I just keep the take heart and the eureka and I chuck the other three and look for more assets. I'm going to do that. Drawn into a lucky, a resourceful, and a quick thinking. Okay. Hopefully what we'll find with Silas is that he can kind of hold his own even without too much. With that four agility, if we can boost his agility, he can avoid most enemies happily enough. And then if he can get a fire axe down, we can do things like that. But really finding tools to investigate is going to be the challenging thing. Let's do a bit more reading. Scenario five, a phantom of truth. Agenda 1A, the first night. As you step off the train in Gare d'Orsay, the sun sinks below the Paris skyline. You cannot waste any time. If Nigel Engram is somewhere in Paris, you have to find him and wring the answers from him one way or another. While you have more conviction than doubt, this agenda gains a special effect, but we have equal, so we don't have more conviction than doubt, so there's no text here, it's six doom. Act 1A. The Parisian Conspiracy, version 1. You pass the church of San Barnabé as you exit the train station and cannot help but overhear the organ playing. Is there a sermon this late in the evening? You marvel at the wild and strange chords for a moment before continuing. 
Paris is a big city and you have very few leads. Objective, spend the requisite number of clues to advance. Or, objective, at the end of the round, if there are three or more doom in play, advance. And it's just two clues to advance. Skulls are minus X, X is the amount of doom in play to a maximum of minus five. And because of our outcome in Unspeakable Oath, I have two cultists in the bag. They're minus two. If you fail, move each unengaged biochy in play once towards the nearest investigator. Our starting location is Gare d'Orsay. Built in 1900, this train station was the first urban station in the world to use only electric trains. Four shroud, one clue. You'd expect the station to be bustling, but it's eerily abandoned, save for a few passengers who wander the station in slow, meandering steps. As an action, I can spend a resource to move to any rail location, which is nice. And the other rail locations I can see are Montparnasse in the south of the city, Notre Dame in the east, Le Marais in the northeast, and Montmartre in the north. Oh, and just above me is Opera Garnier as well, but Spending a resource to move there when I could just move seems mad. Okay, Silas, his stat line is two willpower and intellect and four combat and four agility. He has a reaction after you reveal a chaos token during a skill test you're performing. Return a skill committed you committed to this test to your hand. Limit once per round. It's nine health and five sanity. So what that means is we want to commit skill cards to tests. And if we overcommit, we could pull a card back and not get its boosts. Or if we fail a test, we could pull a card back because we're going to fail anyway. It also means we need to think fairly carefully about the sorts of tests we want to take within a turn because we want to know which test we want to overcommit to to then pull cards back. If we're just sort of taking tests willy-nilly, it's quite hard to judge. Oh, should I save that card? Am I going to take more tests? So I, I don't think we're going to get much progress here in Gare d'Orsay. So the question is, do I move north to the Opera Garnier, east to Gardens of Luxembourg, or southeast to Montparnasse? I'm tempted to move to the Gardens. I think it has a an XP. I could commit Eureka to an investigate with Lucky in hand and try and get a clue there. And then I'd still have other things to do. If I fail the test, I could pull the Eureka back. Okay, so first action, move to the Gardens of Luxembourg. The gardens of Luxembourg Palace contain hundreds of scattered statues, monuments and fountains. It would make for a relaxing walk if you hadn't come here to escape the winged creatures that screech and soar in the dark sky overhead. Silas has no idea what they're talking about with winged creatures. Three shroud, one clue, it does have a victory point. While a Bayeki enemy is moving, if there is an investigator at gardens of Luxembourg, that enemy's location is considered to be connected to the gardens. Hmm. So if I investigate with Eureka, I'm a three on three. Not very nice. I do have the lucky in hand, though. I could commit take heart as well. So if I get a minus three, I could pull back the Eureka and trigger the take heart. If I get a minus two or better, I would lose the take heart, but I could resourceful it back. What are my odds of success? I'm going to do that. I think that makes sense. So I commit take heart and I commit Eureka, which makes me a three on three. skull. That's minus nothing. So I'm going to use my ability to pull take the heart back to my hand and leave Eureka committed, which means my final score is three on three. I get a clue and I get to look at the top three cards of my deck and choose one to keep. 
I've drawn unexpected courage, perception, and stunning blow. I think I take the perception, because clues are the name of the game. Shuffle my deck. Okay, the nice thing here now is that I have a skill card in my discard pile, because Silas's Elder Sign ability is also quite interesting. It's a zero, plus zero, but you may commit a skill from your discard pile to this test, and after this skill test ends, return that skill to your hand instead of discarding it. So you commit a card, get the bonuses from it, it fires, and then when you would add it to your discard pile, it instead comes back to your hand. So having something like Eureka with a really nice range of icons on it, it's got willpower, intellect, and agility, means that for most tests I take, if I pull Elder Sign, I can pop that in and hopefully get a card out of it. I've got one action left, because I moved Investigated. Shall I move down to Montparnasse? It's a possible place for more investigating. I could use this perception. Or shall I move across to Notre Dame? No, I'll move down to Montparnasse. This area is known for its cafes and bars and is often frequented by starving artists. Perhaps some of these creative types will become famous someday. someday. Most, you assume, will fade into obscurity. Two shroud, one clue. It has a free trigger here. Discard a card from your hand. Gain resources equal to the number of willpower icons on the discarded card. Limit once per round. That's the end of the round. There are no enemies. Upkeep draws me a second quick thinking. I go up to six resources. And we go to turn two. We're at one doom. So we've got a little bit of a window before the Parisian conspiracy kicks in. And my encounter card is false lead. Revelation, if you have no clues, false lead gains surge. Well, I have one. If you have one or more clues, test intellect four. For each point you fail by, place one of your clues on your location. I'm going to commit take heart to this. This is a hard one for me to pass. I could commit the perception, quick thinkings, things like that, but it's so risky, I'm just going to commit take heart. Plus one. <laughs> okay, I could have committed things. So that makes me a three against four. So I drop one clue. And I've just failed the skill test. I'm not going to pull Take Heart back. If it fails, I draw two cards and gain two resources. Well, I've drawn Cherry's Creepshake and the thing that follows my basic weakness. So that spawns at the location farthest from me. I'm going to put it up in Grand Guignol. That's three away. One, two, three. Everything is three away. Well, well, well. I suppose what I do here is just try and get these clues. I haven't used my ability to pull cards back. What I could do is commit a perception here and both quick thinkings and have a mega turn. Or just commit a perception and be two up. I think I'll do that. First action, investigate. Minus one. So if I pull the perception back now, I, my final score would be one v two, so I'd fail. So I'm going to keep the perception committed. I get a clue and I draw a card. It's lost soul. Wow, the weaknesses coming thick and fast. Test intellect two, where intellect is my will, where X is my willpower. Nothing I can do to boost. Do have a lucky in hand. Minus two, fail by two. I could lucky this, but I think actually taking two damage isn't the worst thing for Silas. He has nine health, so I'm going to just do that. That was my first action. Second action. It would be nice to get this Montparnasse second clue and then move on. I could just test two on two. And if that means I have to use lucky, 
then I've got resourceful set up to use it. So I think I'll do that. It's happened, guys. Yes, elder sign. Okay, this is amazing. So I'm, that's a zero, so I'm going to pass anyway. I'll commit Eureka. I think that's the best skill. I could commit Perception, but I'm not going to. I pass, so I get a clue. Eureka's going to come back to my hand, but also I get to look at the top three cards of my deck and pick one. I've seen Take Heart, Dreams of the Deep, and Fire Axe. So I will take the Fire Axe and I will shuffle my deck. And I think last action, I play that Fire Axe. Simply because if I hit things that make playing assets more expensive, I'll be in a bad way. Well, I won't. I'm on eight resources. But yeah, I think I get it down. So I pay one for the final action and play Fire Axe. In the enemy phase, the thing that follows follows to Opera Garnier. Upkeep, I draw Guts and back up to eight resources. Hmm. Just spotted, of course, I have the two clues necessary to advance. Do I run the risk of hitting another false lead and losing clues, or should I have advanced? I'll run the risk. We go to two doom, and I draw, marked by the sign, peril, revelation, test willpower two. If you fail, take two horror. If the man in the pallid mask is in play, horror dealt by this effect is considered direct, and this test has plus two difficulty. Well, with five sanity, I do not want two horror. I could commit guts and be two up, and I'll do that because I'm also lucky. Skull, that's a minus two, so I could pull guts back and play lucky, or I think I'll just leave guts committed, pass the test, and draw a card. It's Madame Labranche. I'm going to pay two and play her. Nice to have a bit of soak. Second action, I'm going to move to Notre Dame the most famous cathedral in all of Paris and one of the finest examples of Gothic architecture in the world. Notre Dame de Paris, Our Lady of Paris, is an icon of the city. Light shines out from its stained glass windows and you can hear a pipe organ inside blaring a bizarre, chaotic melody. Three shroud and one clue. Each enemy at Notre Dame gets minus one fight and plus one evade. As an action, you can test willpower six if you succeed, either place one Doom on the current agenda, which seems like lunacy to me, or remove one Doom from the current agenda, group limit once per game. Now, I played Madam and moved. I do have an action left. I think I'm going to spend my two clues in advance before I do that action, and let's see what happens. Sambana Bay. If you spent clues to advance, you nearly bump into a tall man, his coat and hat as black as his skin is pale. You remember seeing him through the windows of San Barnabé Church. His organ playing continues to haunt you. Spawn the set-aside the organist enemy at the lead investigator's location, draped in mystery side, face up. Advance to Act 2A, Pursuing Shadows. Pursuing Shadows. The chords that echo in your mind. The infernal man whose organ playing intrigues and terrifies you. Perhaps there's a connection between the shadowy presence and the king in yellow. There's a reaction. After you successfully attack the organist, an investigator at your location may place one of his or her clues on the organist, group limit, once per round. If there are three clues on the organist, advance. So I'm going to need to get three clues, 
attack the organist three times, place the clues, but I can it'll have to be over three successive rounds at least, because I can only place one per round. Who is this organist fellow? Well, it's a humanoid avatar elite, three fight, blank for health, and five evade, aloof, and cannot be damaged, and it reads forced at the end of the enemy phase, if the organist is unengaged, move it one location away from the nearest investigator, to a location with no investigators, if possible. If it is engaged, disengage it instead. I was creeping along, my feet almost refusing to move. Robert Chambers in the Court of the Dragon. So here the organist is, at my location. I have a solitary action left. If I engage the organist, I'll take a horror, and then it'll move away from me, which makes no sense at all. Oh no, it'll just disengage from me. I think what I do is play this keepsake, because if I'm going to be taking horror from it, down the line, that would be good. But I am going to need to go and collect some clues, so... Yeah. So keepsake played. Enemy phase. Thing that follows hunts to guard or say. And at the end of the enemy phase, the organist moves one away from me. Now there's a lot of different places it could move. Le Marais, Gardens of Luxembourg, or Montparnasse. So I'm going to have it move up to the Marais. Lead investigator decides. Upkeep. Perception. And I go to seven resources. Mythos of turn four. My encounter card is... The yellow sign. Revelation, test willpower four. If you fail, take two horror and search your deck for a madness weakness. Draw that card and shuffle your deck. Little hand reminder, Eureka, lucky, resourceful, quick thinking, quick thinking, perception. The horror could go straight on the keepsake. What are my chances of passing this pretty slim? I could throw Eureka in to be three on four hoping to lucky out of this one. I'd still need minus ones or better. Do I have any madnesses in my deck? I think Dreams of the Deep Gate is a madness. Or I just accept that I'm probably going to fail this and I don't commit anything. I've seen the other two weaknesses in my deck. Oh, I still have up to four weaknesses because I still have the Stranger as well. Or we gamble and chuck in a Eureka and a Quick Thinking. But for Quick Thinking to fire, I would need to get... Plus two over. No, I'm going to commit the Eureka with a view to maybe pulling it back. Cultist. That's a minus two. So if I were to play lucky, at the moment I'm a three on four, down to one on four, I'd still be three on four, so nothing would happen. So I'm going to trigger my ability and pull back Eureka. Fail by four, which doesn't matter. Take two horror, I'll put one on the keepsake and one on Madame Lebranche, and I need to search my deck for a madness. Well, Dreams of the Deep Kit was the bottom card, and it's a curse, and the man in the pallid mask is humanoid and elite, so luckily I don't get anything, but I do have to shuffle my deck. So I've used my reaction ability now, no pulling back of cards. And we've got to remember when dealing with the organist that he's aloof, so, or it's aloof, so I'm going to have to spend an action engaging. So this turn, if I were to grab a clue, move to Le Marais, I then wouldn't be able to also engage it and also attack it. And I need to get those clues. First action, I think I will pursue the organist. Le Marais. This historic district has recently become less aristocratic, but the old architectural masterwork remains. It's one shroud and one clue. 
after you enter Le Marais, for the remainder of the round, you cannot leave Le Marais. Okay. Throughout this region, you cannot shake the feeling that you're being watched. Something along the rooftops ducks out of sight every time you peer upward. With only one shroud, I'm tempted to put this Eureka in and be a 3v1. Let's do it. Or do I go big and chuck a perception and a quick thinking? Move, clue, if I get an extra action I could engage and attack the organist, I'd then take a horror this turn, but we'd be making good progress. Yeah, let's do it. Triple commitment. Eureka, quick thinking and perception. Minus three. Let's do some calculating. Intellect two, four with perception, five with quick thinking, six with Eureka. So I'm a six on one, but the minus three makes me a three on one. So everything is going to fire. I can choose the order. I'll draw a card with perception. It's unexpected courage. I then look at the top three with Eureka. Oh, Dreams of the Deep Gate was next. Lucky and Madame Lebranche. I'll take the Lucky. And then I get an extra action. So one action was move. One action was grab this clue. Two actions left. I mean, I feel like engage chop is the way to go. And then I take a horror, but it's still here with me. And I can head off into Père Lachaise Cemetery. One of my big fears is, what's it called? false lead and dropping clues because I find it hard to grab clues. That felt nice. Little combo play there. So I'll engage the organist, my free action from quick thinking, and last action I'll attack the organist. I'm a four on three. I'll spend one resource with fire axe to be a six on three. I'll spend another resource to be an eight on three. The reason I'm doing that with resources is I could be using Lucky, but actually I've got so many resources at the moment, and this is a Dark Horse deck, surprise, surprise, that, you know, spending a few is no bad thing. Minus one, seven on three. I've hit, and I will spend my clue to place it on the organist. Phew, big breath of relief. Enemy phase, the thing that follows, hunts to the gardens of Luxembourg. It's drawing closer. The organist hits me for a horror, which will go on the keepsake, destroying it. And then at the end of the enemy phase, it disengages from me. Upkeep, I draw a second fire axe, and I go to six resources. We're up to four dooms, so skulls are minus fours now. And my mythos card is Deadly Fate. Revelation. Test Willpower 3. If you fail, discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until an enemy is discarded. You must either draw that enemy or that enemy attacks you from the discard pile. If no enemy is discarded, take a horror. Well, I'm a 2 on 3 against this. I could commit this unexpected courage to be a 4 on 3. I've got two luckies in hand. What tests am I going to take this turn? Well, I'm tempted to go into Père Lachaise Cemetery this turn to hunt for more clues, in which case I would just be sitting there investigating. And since I don't have too many intellect icons to pull back apart from, well, too many skills to pull back, yeah, I think I'll put the Unexpected Courage in. Four on three. Elder Sign! Yes! Second Elder Sign. Well... It's a willpower test, so I could either commit Guts or Eureka. And committing the Eureka, I could now pull back Unexpected Courage if I wanted to. Keep hold of that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. 
So Unexpected Courage comes back, which makes me a two against three, but I've committed Eureka, which makes me a three against three. So I pass the test, lovely. Eureka back to hand, and the top three cards are Cherish Keepsake, Eureka, or the Man in the Pallid Mask. I'll take the Keepsake. I'm worried about horror. Man, <laughs> my favorite thing about Silas is his Elder Sign ability with Eureka, and I've managed to fire it twice, so I feel very lucky. So the Organist is going to be backing off, but there's no point in us engaging it because we don't have any clues. We may as well find some more clues. There's a whole portion of the map, you know, I've only seen... One, two, three, four, five locations of ten. So there's lots more to see. And at the moment we're on one VP. If we want to sort of build up, we need to find more VP. First action move. The largest cemetery in Paris and its first garden cemetery, Père Lachaise, is as beautiful as it is haunting. It's one shroud and two clues. Paths of stone wind through rows of graves and countless mausoleums. The dense twisting cemetery has you trapped in a state of melancholy surrounded by death on all sides. It is a VP here. It's connected back to Le Marais and also Canal Saint-Martin. It reads, Forced, after you successfully investigate Père Lachaise Cemetery, you cannot leave Père Lachaise Cemetery until the end of the round. Okay. So we have eight cards in hand. You could probably hear me whisper counting then. I think what I do is I just investigate here. Two on one. I can lucky to try and pass the test, and then the second test I could commit resourceful and get that lucky back. Or do I go bigger? Or do I chuck Eureka to one of these and just keep drawing? Yes. Second action of investigate with Eureka, three on one. Zero. I can't pull it back because I've already done a pullback this turn, but I do get to look at the top three cards in my deck. They are Dark Horse. Live and learn, and the man in the pallid mask. I will take the dark horse, I think. My deck is getting thin. Silas draws hard. Now, some people say that they really like last chance for Silas, because you can commit it and get so many icons, because it could be a maximum of five. And I've actually found that because I like to run the neutral skills that draw cards, and because I love Eureka and Silas, I end up drawing a lot, and I have a very full hand. So I, I'm not as big a fan about doing that, but I'm sure there'll be an empty hand style. Okay, I've got one action left. Hand reminder, Dark Horse, Cherish Keepsake, Fire Axe, and then two events which are both lucky, and then Resourceful, Unexpected Courage, and Quick Thinking. So one option here is that I just investigate two on one, and I can play lucky if I need to to get this clue. The other option, I think, is that I go big and commit unexpected courage and quick thinking, which would make me a five on one. Could still use lucky if it's going to blow me out, but also I'd maybe get an extra action which I could use to play Dark Horse. The question is whether quick thinking would be better saved for a point when I really need the extra actions, like, say, in a fight. And I think it would, so I think I just do two on one. There's no point committing resourceful because I've only got take heart and a keepsake in my discard pile. So yeah, two on one it is. Plus one, wow, okay. Well, the quick thinking would have fired, but it's fine. I get the clue. Enemy phase, thing that follows hunts. And at the end of the enemy phase, the organist moves one away from me. So it could move down to Notre Dame, but I'm going to have it move to Montmartre. Why not? Upkeep. I draw a flashlight. 
So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine cards in hand. I think I chuck away my second fire axe. And we go to seven resources. Mythos, we're at five doom now. It's getting hairy. And my card is Spires of Carcosia. This is amazing. Attach to your location, then place two doom on your location. Done. This was the Witching Hour. That's just a, a blank card, basically. Seven resources, lots of cards in hand. Definitely want to be pursuing the organist. Probably want to move out to Canal San Martin. Do I play Dark Horse, move there, decide what to do for the last action? Yes. So spend three for Dark Horse. Second action, move to Canal San Martin. This underground canal connects the River Seine to the Canal de Lourc. I mean... My French is not very good anyway, but that is a hard word to, to pronounce. D-E space L apostrophe O-U-R-C-Q. Look, 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 look. An old cracked staircase leads down to the canal's entrance. This is one of my favourite pieces of art because there's a huge tentacle in the canal. This is four shroud and one clue, and it's also a victory point. After you evade an enemy at Canal Saint-Martin, move that enemy to a connecting location. Limit once per round. I've got one action left. I think the flashlight should come into play because I could use it to try and get this clue. So I'm going to spend another two, which takes me down to two resources. How quickly my resources are depleted. And that's my three. The thing that follows hunts to la Marais. The organist moves away to Grand Guignol. Upkeep, I draw the man in the pallid mask. He needs to put him in Gardossay or Montparnasse. I'll put him in Montparnasse with the hope that maybe I could get there one day and pass an intellect test to speak to him, but we'll see about that. And I will take a resource and go up to four. Or will I? Yes, I will. I will. And we advance, because we're at many doom too much because of that Spires of Carcosa. Just beautifully timed. Daybreak. Birds start to chirp eagerly. An orange tint slowly spreads across the sky as the creatures of the night shrink back into the darkness. You spend most of the day resting, and the daylight passes quickly with very little to show for it. Before you're able to fully recover from the previous night's events, it's evening once more. Each investigator disengages from each enemy engaged with him or her, why well, I don't have any, and may move to a connecting location. Move the organist one location away from the nearest investigator to a location with no investigators, if possible. Now, the organist could move to Montmartre, but that brings it closer to me. It could move to Opera Garnier, but it's actually not gone away from me at that point. It's still the same distance. So I believe the rules for this is that it just stays put. But that means I won't be moving it. So I'm, as ever, a little bit unsure. So I actually, on this, went onto the Discord to try and get guidance. And I thought, oh, I could actually just Google it. Sometimes you Google a rules query and there's an answer. And I found a thread talking about organist movement in which I had provided answers, which is a little bit terrifying because shows past me was more confident than present me. Yeah, for the forced effect on the organist itself, if the organist is unengaged, move it one location away from the nearest investigator to a location with no investigators if possible. It's that to a location with no investigators if possible. But here in this instance, it's that to a location with no investigators if possible that's catching me and similarly now we're doing a move the organist one location away from the nearest investigator to a location with no investigators if possible what come what's more important that the organist moves that the organist moves further away from investigators 
or that the organist moves to a location with no investigators. So yeah, I'm a little unsure. I think the organist stays put and I'm going to play it that way just because I don't, I can't find a better answer for now because I can't move the organist a location away. So I'm just going to leave, leave it to not move. But if I've got that completely wrong, please forgive me and maybe we can get to the bottom of it and do a whole episode on Phantom of Truth organist movement. That'd be fun. Okay. Agenda 2A, the second night. The city stirs as cold shadows embrace the streets. There is danger all around you, danger that you cannot escape, danger that will follow you to the ends of the earth. When will this waking nightmare end? Same text about doubt and conviction, which we can ignore, but it's a five-doom threshold. My encounter card is Black Stars Rise. Revelation, Test Intellect 4. If you fail, you must either place one doom on the current agenda or take a horror for each point you failed by. This effect can cause the current agenda to advance. Back to me. What's my plan for this turn? Trying to get this Canal St. Martin clue and maybe going for the thing that follows? Do I just test this two on two on four? Or do I chuck in the unexpected courage and try and use a lucky to pass it as well? I think I do that. Because then, when I investigate, I can commit resourceful and try and get this lucky back. So I'm a four on four. Let's see how we go. Skull. Zero. Okay. I can either leave the unexpected courage committed and just pass. Or I could pull the unexpected courage back and play lucky. Which would take me down to three resources which would mean I could investigate, move, kill the thing that follows. Or I could investigate, move, move, and get a bit of distance away from the thing that follows. I think a plus two in hand is better than a plus two committed, so I'm going to leave the unexpected courage committed and just pass the test, because now I have two luckies still in hand and I can still play with that. First action, investigate. Spend a flashlight charge, which makes me a two-on-two here at the canal. Can't boost. Two on two it is. Plus one. Yes. Okay. No lucky still. Do I A? So I have four resources. So if I move and start chopping the thing that follows, I don't kill it. Unless I commit a quick thinking to the chop. This does feel like a window for dealing with the thing that follows. I'm lit. Yeah, I'm stuck. Do I? The thing that follows is on my heels. I could run to Opera Garnier or even run to the organist in Grand Guignol. And it's, I put two locations between me and, and the thing that follows. Or I could step in and attack the thing that follows. But I only have, I have four resources, so I couldn't kill it in one swing. I could empty three into the attack and a quick thinking, which would make me a 10, 11 on three and hope to get an extra action, which I could use to swing again. And that would then kill the thing that follows. And I'd then start rebuilding. And the organist still wouldn't move. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Getting the thing that follows off my path is probably the right play now, although my deck is getting thin. If I can hold off getting the thing that follows, I could just do a runner. But I'm going to end up getting hit by the thing that follows at this rate. So yeah, I'm going to try and deal with it. Second action, I move into Le Marais. So I can't leave this round. Third action, I'll swing with the fire axe. I'll commit 
three resources. I'll spend three resources to make me a 10 and I'll commit quick thinking. 11 on three. Skull, which is zeros. I'm going to leave the quick thinking committed to get an extra action and spend my last resource to be six on three. Oh, and I'm going to tap Madame Lebron straight away. I don't need the extra damage, so I'll have a resource in my pool. Six on three. Minus two. Dead thing. When it would be defeated, it gets shuffled back into my deck. In the enemy phase, nothing happens, but at the end of the enemy phase, if the organist is unengaged, move it one location away from the nearest investigator. Well, it could move to Montmartre, which is closer to me, or to Opera Garnier, and we've ruled that it doesn't move. He's just hiding in a corner. I suppose that makes sense because if the organist had to move every turn, it would end up moving itself onto investigators if you were playing four player. You know, if it had a choice between not moving or because every location had an investigator or having to move, you could really game it. I think I think I've got that right. If I've got it wrong, this scenario is still hard enough that I feel like I'm doing an okay job. Upkeep, I draw Dreams of the Deep. We've not dealt with this yet, so let's take a look. Its subtitle is The Deep Gate. It's a curse weakness. And its skills icons, because it has two wild icons, subtract from your skill value instead of adding to it. If the skill test fails, return this skill to your hand. And forced, if it's in your hand at the end of the turn, reveal it and take two damage. Which is horrid. So that keeps in my hand. Mythos. We go to one doom of five. My counter card is frozen in fear. Ugh. Righty-ho. How do we get rid of Frozen in Fear? One thing I'm tempted to do here is investigate with my flashlight. I can move the difficulty of the test down to zero, and I can commit Dreams of the Deep Gate to make me a zero and still pass. So first action, I'm going to do that. Cultist, minus two, zero against zero. I pass. I don't get a clue because there aren't any here. I don't have much to spend to pass the Frozen in Fear, apart from this keepsake in hand and two luckies. I think I do want to keep moving. So second action and third action, I will move to Montmartre. You've heard this district to be vibrant and friendly, but the streets feel unusually lonely to you. It's two shroud and one clue. Spend one resource, add one supply or ammo token to a card you control. Limit once per round. You can buy guns, or, well, buy ammo. Cold rain pelts the street. Every alleyway you pass is another hiding place for something sinister. And now at the end of my round, I need to test for Frozen in Fear. I really don't want to commit resourceful, so I'm just going to go two on three. Plus one. Oh my goodness. Okay, three on three. I was already braced to play lucky. Frozen in Fear is gone. Enemy phase, organist doesn't move. I don't have Dreams of the Deep Gate in my hand. Upkeep, I draw a take heart, and I got to three resources. Mythos, we go to two doom. My encounter card is Spires of Carcosa. Ah, oh, which puts two doom on this location. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, that puts us at, at the witching hour. I have one flashlight charge. 
I could investigate twice here and get rid of those two doom. So that would be two actions to save me six actions. The organist isn't going anywhere. The alternative is I ignore that and I move in on the organist, engage, attack, put a clue on it, and then the following turn, engage, attack, and we're done. I wouldn't have got the man in the pallid mask, and we would have got one, two, three XP, which isn't the end of the world. Hmm. If I spend flashlight charges now and things like Lucky trying to get rid of these Doom, am I only digging myself into a deeper hole? I feel like I'm in a strong place, but I'm sort of powering through. I also have a vague recollection that Kong in Yul does something when you move in there. Okay, I'm going to try. I, th- I think I try and clear. Spending two actions, maybe three actions to save six, I think is the right play. So I spend a flashlight charge to be two on zero. Minus three, pass, a doom disappears. And then I'll go again two on two with a view to play lucky. Skull, there's three doom in place, that's a minus three, which takes me to zero. If I pay one, I'm lucky, which takes me back up. But let's do the calculation properly. Two with the lucky is four, minus three is one. I'm still failing, so I have to pay for both luckies. To pass and the spires is gone i have a solitary action left i'll put this keepsake into play down to two cards where did all those lovely cards go enemy phase nothing from the man of the pallid mask or the organist upkeep the thing that follows the furthest away is still montparnasse so it joins the man of the pallid mask and i will take a resource to two we go to three doom my encounter card is marked by the sign. Okay, this has got a lot more difficult. It's difficult, difficulty four, and I'll be taking two damage. So I'll commit, take heart to it. Cultist, minus two, fail. Now, I think I just said damage. I meant horror. I'm getting a little bit sort of overexcited and speeding up. So I'm taking two horror, and it has to be direct, which means I've got three left. But Take Heart is committed there, so I get two resources, which is nice for axe swings, and two cards, a live and learn, and a second Madame Lebranche. Right, let's start chopping up this organist, shall we? First action move. Grand Guignol, theatre of the great puppet. Le Théâtre de Grand Guignol specialises in horror shows of a graphic and sometimes amoral nature. It is among the smallest venues in Paris, and one of the most popular. Three Shroud. One clue and a victory point. After you reveal Grand Guignol, you must either take two horror or shuffle all non-weakness cards from your hand into your deck, then draw an equal number of cards. Hmm. The two horror would kill the keepsake, but that does mean that I'm then taking further hits. Or I could shuffle this Madame Lebranche resource for them live and learn into my deck. I've got two weaknesses out and two in my discard pile, so yeah, I'm going to do that. Uh, I can't draw a weakness from doing this. I could end up drawing things like a flashlight, which I don't really need, or a perception. But actually that would be helpful for getting this clue here if we wanted to get this VP. Both resourcefuls are still in here, so that'd be nice. My um, signature, Nautical Prowess, is still in here, which is a really strong card. Okay, draw three. Stunning Blow, Nautical Prowess. And Eureka, hmm, if I engage second action, 
and attack third action, I put a clue. And if I attack with Stunning Blow, he's then exhausted. It would then be unengaged from me. So maybe I don't want to Stunning Blow it, but if I just keep it here, I take one horror on the keepsake, and then next turn I investigate, engage, attack. Okay, let's try that. So second action, engage. Third action, attack. I'm a four on three. If I spend two resources, I'm a seven on three, which is as good as I can do. Minus three, pass, and I'll put a clue on the organist. Enemy phase, the thing that follows hunts to guard or say, the organist hits the keepsake, and then at the end of the enemy phase disengages. Upkeep, I draw a live and learn, and I will take a resource to three. We go to four doom, and my encounter card is a screeching key. Three fight, four evade, no, four health, three evade, Praise on the lowest remaining sanity, which is me, obviously, and it's a hunter. But while engaged with investigator with remaining sanity four or fewer, it gets plus one fight and plus one evade. So it's actually a four, four, four. Ho, ho, ho. And it's a victory point. I could spend my three resources to hit it, get a resource from Madame Lebranche and hit it again with stunning blow, and then try and get this clue, and the organist would run away. And then the following turn, I could move to the organist, engage the organist, try and kill the organist. So be it. Spend my three resources. That makes me a 10 on four. And spending all three to get the damage bonus. No, 11 on four, dark horse. Minus one, two damage. Exhaust Madame Lebranche for a resource and spend it. Seven on four. Commit stunning blow, eight on four. Skull, minus four, so I'll keep Stunning Blow committed and kill the Bayaki. Last action, investigate. I'm broke, so I'm a three on three, and I'll commit Nautical Prowess for plus two, five on three, and Eureka, six on three. Minus three. So Nautical Prowess, we've not really looked at this either. If a Chaos Token with a negative modifier is revealed during this test, which includes the symbol tokens if they have negative modifiers, I either get to draw a card or it gains plus two wild icons. So in this instance, I've just revealed it. So before my reaction ability about pulling cards back comes, I could choose to go up to being an eight on three, but then I'd be getting this minus three, five on three, or I could draw a card. And I think what I'll do is I'll draw a card and leave it committed, and then I'm going to end up drawing more cards with Eureka. So I pass the test. Eureka fires. I see Flashlight, Unexpected Courage, and Resourceful. I will take the Courage. With Nautical Prowess, I drew Resourceful. And then with Eureka, I've chosen Unexpected Courage. So cards in hand are Unexpected Courage, Live and Learn, and Resourceful. And that's another VP. Down to whew, seven cards in deck. Enemy phase, thing that follows hunts to Opera Garnier. The organist moves away from me and I'll move it to Montmartre. And I will draw, live and learn, and I will take a resource. And we hit five doom. A red sun rises. To your relief, the sun once again begins to rise, peaking just over the eastern horizon and casting long shadows across the city streets. You're completely exhausted from the night's events. It feels as though you haven't slept in weeks. Perhaps you haven't. 
we get to disengage from each enemy engaged and we move the organist one location away. So I'm going to move it to the canal San Martin. Check the campaign log. If Jordan Perry is not listed under VIP slain, he spawns. He's a 282 hunter and he heals damage. And he's here in Montparnasse. Agenda 3A, the third night. On the evening of your third night in Paris, a desperate resolve stirs within you. This cat and mouse game cannot go on any longer. One way or another, this night will end. My encounter card is the pale mask beckons. Revelation, if the man in the pallid mask is in play, he attacks each investigator in player order, regardless of his current location. Well, there goes my cherished keepsake. Let's be realistic now. I would love to investigate the man in the pallid mask down in Montparnasse. That's three moves to get there, and getting past Jordan Perry, and then passing an intellect four test. I do have an unexpected courage and a live and learn in hand, and I could maybe commit resourceful to get a lucky back, whatever. But in the way, there's the thing that follows, and I have a deck of six cards, and Jordan Perry. It's just count actions. Move, deal, move, deal, move, investigate. So that's six. Seven, eight, nine to catch up with the organist. Ten, eleven to deal with the organist. We've got five doom thresholds, so we've only got four turns, which is 12 actions. That I mean, that would be insanely tight and would require me to take a hit from Jordan. The alternative is I move two to the organist now and I am in position to, to step up to the organist and deal with it the following turn. And what would I do with my last action? Probably draw a card. I'm afraid that I think is the safer play. So let's do that. Move to Montmartre, move to the canal, draw a card. It's the second resourceful. So my hand is two live and learns, an unexpected courage and two resourcefuls. Enemy phase Jordan hunts to Notre Dame. The thing that follows hunts to Montmartre. And the organist moves itself down to Le Marais. Upkeep, I draw a survival instinct, and I will go up to two resources. We go to one Doom of Five, and my encounter card is Hunted by Bayeki. Revelation, test, agility six. If you fail, reveal the top X cards of the encounter deck, where X is the amount you failed by. If at least one Bayeki enemy is revealed by this effect, choose and draw one of them. If at least one omen treachery is revealed by this effect, take one horror. Well, well, well. I could commit both resourcefuls in my hand to be a six on six and an unexpected courage to be an eight on six. And I potentially get both luckies back, which would set me up nicely for going and dealing with the organist. Let's do it. Eight on six. Minus one. Um, do I want one of these cards back? No, I don't. I want both resourcefuls to fire to get me two luckies. Am I going to be able to play luckies though? No, I'll take one resourceful back and I will get one lucky. And that's my ability fired. The reason I'll take one back is that I'm going to spend at least one resource of my two attacking. So I won't be able to play two luckies anyway, unless I do something clever. Okay, back to me though. First action move. To Le Marais, I can't leave this turn. I'm about to be pounded by the thing that follows in Jordan Perry. Second action, engage the organist. Third action, attack. I'll spend a resource to make me a six on three. I'll commit a resourceful to be a seven on three. Cultist, minus two, pass, spend a clue. And there are now three clues on the organist, so I advance. 
The Lost Lamb. You pursue your quarry through a narrow avenue, passing a set of heavy iron gates. You're in a dead end, a court with tall old houses on either side. You close the gates behind you and turn back towards the shadowed figure, just as day begins to break. Rays of light peek out over the skyline, and you lift your hand to block the gaze of the sun. Then, as though dispersed by the sunlight, the figure you'd been chasing folds into the shadows and vanishes. You search the court for the mysterious figure, but there's no sign of him anywhere. Just as you're about to leave, you spot a plaque next to a red-brown door atop a steep, narrow staircase. It reads, N. Engram. Check campaign log if you intruded on a secret meeting. We didn't. Proceed to resolution 2. Otherwise, R1. Well, hello. Cool. I got Gardens of Luxembourg, 1 XP. Père Lachaise, 2. Saint Martin, 3. Cronguignol, 4. And the Screeching Bayaki, 5. Which feels nice. I'm going to take a look at R1. And then maybe we can continue on to the next scenario. hear the sounds of shuffling because I'm shuffling up my deck. And we're here for scenario six, the pallid mask. Skulls are minus X. X is the number of locations away you are from uh, X is the number of locations away from the starting location you are, maximum minus five. And then because we found Nigel's abode, we have two cultists in the bag which are minus two if this token is revealed during an attack and this skill test is successful this attack deals one less damage. So cultists weaken you. Combination of circumstances mean that the starting location is the gate to hell. It's one shroud, two clues, and when it was revealed, I put two catacombs locations into play, one above and one below the gate to hell. Flavor is, Arrête! C'est ici l'Empire de la Mort. Stop! Here is the Empire of the Dead. Above and below, there are the two locations. But also, in Calvin's notes, Silas finds details of his conversation with Ishimaru Haruko, the costume designer of The King in Yellow. And that information means we know a secret passage, so I'm allowed to reveal one of the two locations. I've chosen the top location, which is Shivering Pools, five shroud and one clue. And when it's revealed, we put the topmost catacombs into play below or to the right of Shivering Pools. So I've put it to the right. And it's victory one. After you end your turn at Shivering Pools, you must either take one direct damage or lose five resources. So there's already three clues out there to get. And there are four locations. Three in a vertical line and one in the top row to the right of that. So they make a kind of R shape. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's settle in to the Pallid Mask. Agenda 1A. Empire of the Dead. The dank, chill air of the catacombs penetrates your clothes and causes you to shiver. Everywhere you look, the remains of the dead greet you. 
a grim reminder of your own mortality. Each location is connected to each location adjacent to it, and that's orthogonally rather than diagonally. And it's six doom. Act 1A. Through the catacombs. At the end of a long tunnel next to you, the stranger steps through the darkness, his pale mask glinting in the candlelight. Wait, you call out. He glances your way before vanishing into the shadows. Once more, you're forced to track him down for answers. Objective. Find the man in the pallid mask. He is somewhere in the catacombs. With my five experience, I've taken one Peter Sylvester level two for one of my keepsakes, and I've taken Charisma. I only have three allies in the deck, so it's not very nice to be taking Charisma already, but I didn't want to take two copies of Peter Sylvester and no Charisma. So there we go. My starting hand is two copies of Live and Learn, two copies of Eureka, and Madame Labranche. Maybe I chuck back a Eureka and a Live and Learn, and then I still have a Live and Learn for retrying a test here. I could even Eureka and Live and Learn it. Yeah. Put two aside. Peter Sylvester level two and Perception. That's not too bad. Play Labranche and Peter Sylvester and try and get a clue here. I'm a little bit nervous about this scenario. There are enemies, which can be tricky to deal with. There's also quite a lot of intellect tests, and Silas is not the world's greatest intellect. And there might be quite a lot of horror, and Silas is also not pro at dealing with horror. So, yeah, there's, there's going to be some pressures. I think we just got to try and keep moving and see how we get on. If I play Sylvester and LeBronche straight away, I could then play Eureka, and I'd be two up for this test and try and pass it. Draw me into another card. Or I could chuck Perception into the test and be three up. Or I could just take it normally, and if I fail, live and learn to try again. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely going to do actions one and two, Peter and Madame Rebranche, and I'll tap Madame Rebranche for a resource straight away. Third action. Yes, I've got to try and get it. I'm just going to go two on one. Cultist, minus two, so I'm failing by one. Live and learn. So I get to attempt it again, and now a four on one. Plus one. Get a clue. Okay, means I can move south if I want to. Upkeep. I draw a guts and I got two resources. Mythos turn one. Grasping hands. Revelation test agility three for each point you fail by take a damage. Well, with Peter Sylvester in play, I'm a five on three. I don't really mind damage, but do I want to chuck Eureka into this? I don't think so. Minus three, so I fell by one, I take one damage. I'll put it on Madame Labranche. Okay, so unrevealed catacombs locations read, skulls and bones decorate the walls of this wide hallway in a macabre fashion. And as an additional cost to enter, investigators at my location must spend a clue as a group. I'm not really geared up to get the clue in the shivering pools. I'd be a five on five if I went in there with my Perception and my Eureka, which seems really hard. So I'm going to head south, down to this unrevealed catacombs location, and spend my clue. It is the Labyrinth of Bones. Forced, when Labyrinth of Bones is revealed, put the top three catacombs in the catacombs deck into play above, which is where the gate to hell is, below and to the right. 
below to the right. Reorganize my playing area. So we've got two next to each other, then one, then two next to each other, then one if we're working down. Two shroud, two clues. Well, here's a place to investigate. Second action, I'll commit Eureka and Perception and investigate five on two. Minus three, which is a pass. So I draw a card from Perception, it's Eureka. And then I look at the top three, I see a flashlight, resourceful and cherished keepsake. I'll take the flashlight. And that gets me a clue. I think last action I play the flashlight. If I can work my way back around to the Shivering Pools to get that VP, that would be great. But I think the priority more than anything is just keeping moving and having a couple of clues spare so that if I move into a location I don't like, I can keep going is no bad thing. Okay, so first action was move, second action was investigate, third action I'll play this flashlight, which makes me broke, so I'll tap Madame Lebranche to get a resource back. And upkeep, I draw a perception, and I get a second resource. Mythos of turn three, my encounter card is Eyes in the Walls. Revelation, test willpower three. For each point you fail by, take one horror. When assigning horror from this effect, it must be divided as evenly as possible among all eligible cards. So I could put one on Labranche, one on Sylvester, and one on me if I fail. I am a three on three because I have Peter Sylvester. I think I chuck Guts into this, or do I hold on to Guts? No, I hold on to Guts. Do I chuck Eureka to be a four on three? Well, let's think about tests I'm going to take. I'm going to take a flashlight investigation at this labyrinth of bones, so I won't commit anything to that. And then I'm going to move. Potentially, I'll take another investigate this turn, in which case I'd be using the perception, and getting that back would be really nice. So yeah, I'm going to just go three on three. Minus one. So fail by one, I'll put one horror on Peter Sylvester. It actually really helps to sort of talk through what I'm what I'm thinking, because sometimes I am thinking about the three actions I'm about to take, but I just don't vocalise it. So actually practising saying, okay, so what am I going to do can be useful. Speaking of which, I did just suggest that I was going to investigate and move, so I'm going to do that. Investigate here, two on zero. Skull, which is a minus one, so I get a second clue. Second action, I'm going to move right. It is another labyrinth of bones. So now we get a location above us, which would connect to the gate to hell, to the below us, and to the right of us. So the first two columns are four high and two deep, and then we have one on the third row sticking out as well. So I could just move on again. I'm tempted with my last action to move up, and then we'll have completed a little circle around the gate to hell. There are five cards left in the catacombs deck, because we've got nine in play, which means that any of the next cards we discover could be our target. The other option is that I just get a cheeky clue here, but I wonder if actually saving my flashlight charges for locations I really want to investigate is a good idea. Hmm. No, I'm going to investigate here, thinking about it. If I were to move on, I could move into something that punishes me because I'm there at the end of my turn. I wouldn't have a way of moving away. This is a lovely low shroud location. It's worth getting these clothes. Tentacle. Fail. Flashlight charge wasted. Upkeep is dark horse, and I go up to three resources. Mythos. We're at three doom. My encounter card is 
Catacombs Docent. Three fight, two health, two evade. Spawn at the nearest unrevealed location. Action parlay. Test intellect four to interpret the guide's ravings. If you succeed, look at the unrevealed side of any catacombs location in play. Group limit once per game. Aren't these catacombs absolutely fascinating? Is his flavour text. And he hits for a horror. That horror on Peter is healed now. Right. Playing Dark Horse would be great. That's action one and I'm now broke. Investigating here with the flashlight makes me a three on zero. And I will commit this Eureka to be a four on zero because I want more cards. Minus one, so pass. I'll leave the Eureka committed. And my cho choices are Take Heart, Quick Thinking or Madame Lebranche. Think the Take Heart. Just trying to decide whether I want quick thinking. No, I'll take the Take Heart and I get a clue. So first action, Dark Horse. Second action, Clue. Third action, do I just try and clue again here? I'm not ready to go and fight the Catacombs Docent. And I'm a three on two cluing my empty flashlight. I could even chuck the Take Heart into it. If I pass, I pull the Take Heart back because I've not used that ability yet. And if I fail, then I get two cards and two resources. Okay, yeah, that seems like a super plan. Okay, so last action, investigate three on two. Minus one, that's a pass, so I'll use my ability to pull Take Heart back into my hand, and I get a second clue. I'll tap Madame Lebranche for a resource, and in upkeep I'm going to get a second resource and draw into the thing that follows. Well, the furthest away from me is up in the Shivering Pools, so there it goes. And upkeep is done, and we go to four Doom, and my encounter card is a Poltergeist. Three fight, two health, and four evade cannot be damaged except by spell, relic, or encounter cards. And I can parlay test intellect three to attempt to banish the geist. If you succeed, deal it one damage. Hmm. Of note, the geist isn't a hunter, but it is in a slightly sort of connected location. I wonder if I can use take heart on this guy. I could try to evade committing take heart. Hopefully get some more things that will help me evade again and then move. So yeah, first action I'll try and evade. Five on four. Minus one. Okay, Silas's ability, I'll use that to save the take heart. The Geist is evaded. Second action. Now I've got a choice of four locations. I could move to the left to Labyrinth of Bones, up to where the Catacombs Docent is, and towards the thing that follows, down where there are two Catacombs locations, or right where there's this lone third column. I think I go right and hope that we can build a loop back to the Docent. Second action moves into the Crypt of the Sepulchral Lamp. Crypt of the Sepulchral Lamp is investigated using willpower instead of the skill indicated by the investigation attempt. Two shroud, two clues. When it's revealed, pop the top two catacombs into play above and to the right. Okay, either of these could be what we're looking for. I've got one action left. I could investigate here chucking in guts got one clue left though or I could just head up and see where I get hmm heading and last action moving is dangerous I'm going to chuck the guts and be a four on two five on two with Peter zero I get a card from the guts 
It's a resourceful, and I get a second clue. Enemy phase. The thing that follows hunts down to the gate to hell. Upkeep. I draw lost soul. I test intellect X, where X is my willpower. My willpower is three with Peter. So it's an intellect of three test for two damage. I'm just going to take this. Ooh, I'll throw take heart in. Two against three. Minus two. That's a fail. So I draw two cards from take heart. Uh, it's a live and learn and a quick thinking. And I get two resources. Thank you, take heart and lost soul. Wow, what a card, hey? I can't believe they printed a card that allows you to get that much from a failure. It's just such a strong card. I love it. Okay, so the thing that follows is at the gate to hell. It's one, two, three away from me. Poltergeist is next to me but doesn't hunt. The docent is up that way. I've got live and learn, quick thinking, perception and resourceful in hand. And we go to five doom, nearly at the witching hour. My encounter card is corpse dweller. Three fight, five health, four evade. Discard a humanoid enemy at any location and spawn corpse dweller there. That means the catacombs docet is discarded. I'm glad we didn't head up there. And it has Hunter and Retaliate and hits for two damage and a horror. That reminds me, I should actually take the damage from Failing Lost Soul. Okay, well now heading north to the catacombs in row two is uh, probably a bad idea. I can't head left, west, because it's a poltergeist. So I think my only option is to keep heading right. What am I hoping to do this turn? Should I try and get this other clue from Crypt of the Sepulchral Lamp? Or should I just keep moving? The alternative is I just draw, because at some point I'm going to need to fight my way through some of these things. I think there's a big enemy coming as well. An axe might be a useful option. I could just draw, draw, draw this turn. If I draw into Dreams of the Deep Gate, I'm taking another two damage. First action draw. It's survival instinct. Now that could be very helpful if we end up evading. Second action, I'm going to move right. It's blocked passage. When you reveal block passage, take two damage. So I'm up to four. You cannot leave block package passage this round. And last action, I'll draw again. It's a fire axe. Okay. Lesson being, if you draw early, I could have then played the fire axe. That's fine. I'll keep it in hand. Enemy phase. Corpse dweller hunts. Thing that follows hunts. They're both just heading right. So we've got a big rig of enemies coming towards us. Upkeep. I draw a lucky. And I'll go up to five resources. And we hit six. Doom. Empire of the Dead flips into Spectre of Death. Three fight, five health, three evade. It's monster, geist, and elite. A force from beyond. It spawns at the starting location. It's a hunter and it retaliates. And while it's exhausted, it takes one less damage from each attack made against it. After you fail a skill test while attempting to evade Spectre of Death, it attacks you. It's all-round nasty, and we've got to be really on our toes with what we do this turn. Okay, we found a dead end, and we go on to Agenda 2A, Empire of the Undead. All around you, the eyes of skulls glow with an otherworldly hue. A ghostly voice echoes throughout the labyrinthine catacombs. You sense a threatening presence looming around you. It is just outside your vision, past the dim fog that permeates through the catacombs around every corner. Each location is connected to each other lo uh, location adjacent to it. 
12 Doom. Well, I've walked myself into a dead end. I hope you can still picture the catacombs. They've kind of become a triangle with the point over on the right-hand side. So the first column is four, second column is four, third column is just two in the middle, and the last column is just the blocked passage. In the deck left are three, so probably heading up to the corpse dweller and the thing that follows is the way to go. But if I were to move once to the crypt of the sepulchral lamp, move again to the corpse dweller, I could then try and quick thinking evade it. I think I'm taking a hit this turn. The other option is to move over to the poltergeist, move, move, evade. But the poltergeist is a very dangerous place to be hanging around. I think I let everything come towards me a bit. A hit from the, the corpse dweller would take me to six damage. Not very nice. I could play Fire Axe, and then, yeah, I'm sort of stuck. Play Fire Axe, move, and try and grab that clue on the Crypt of the Sepulchral Lamp, just so I have two to set me up for moving more. Or I could move, move to the Poltergeist and use Survival Instinct trying to evade it to move me down to one of these lower catacombs areas. And then, yes, the map is gigantic, but I've put a bit of distance between me and the Corpse Dweller. If the Corpse Dweller is on me, I have a turn to kill it, and then I also get hit by the thing that follows, and then I have to get away from the Spectre of Death. I kind of like this sprint plan, actually. It all relies on survival instinct, allowing me to move as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I've not yet drawn my encounter card, which is a Catacombs Docent. I'll spawn this way up at the top. First action, move to the crypt. Second action, move across to the Labyrinth of Bones. The poltergeist engages me. Third action, try to evade it. I'm a five on four. I'll commit survival instinct, six on four, and quick thinking, seven on four, and see what we get. Minus three, which is a pass, but I will, I'll have to keep both things committed to pass that. Or I could pull back the quick thinking and pass this test with the lucky. Hmm, yes, I'm going to do that. So pull back the quick thinking, which means I'm a six on four, minus three is a three on four, and pay one with lucky to be a five on four. Pass, evaded, and I'll move straight down to the next catacombs. It's stone archways. Ignore the text on unrevealed locations adjacent to stone archways. When it's revealed, put the topmost catacombs in the catacombs deck into play to the right of stone archways. Okay, I can move left or right without spending clues, which is nice. That is my three. Enemy phase. Spectre moves one down. Thing that follows moves one down. Corpse dweller moves one down. Upkeep. Poltergeist readies. I draw a second fire axe and go up to five resources. Go to one doom of 12, and my encounter card is Crypt Chill. Well, I have this empty flashlight, so let's not worry about passing this. Three on four. Skull, I am one, two, three away. Fail. There goes the empty flashlight. Definitely got to play Fire Axe for one. Do I move into this catacombs on the right and just accept that I'm taking a hit from the corpse dweller? Maybe. And what would be my third action? Draw? Oh, it might be move away. So second action, I will move in. It's stone archways. Okay, another location. 
well, I can keep running to the right. The bottom row now is four. We've gone from being a triangle to being a, a, a sort of triangle with a point up at the top. Yes, I'm going to keep moving right. It's candlelit tunnels. Three shroud, two clues. Test intellect three to read an ancient sign. If you succeed, look at the unrevealed side of any catacombs location in play. Group limit once per game. And when it's revealed, put the top two catacombs into play to the left, which is stone archways, and to the right, which means we have made a kind of perfect pyramid. Bottom row of five, next row of four, next row of three, next row of two. Wow. Okay. Did I just accidentally lose a clue? I think I may have taken a clue off my pool that I shouldn't have done. No, I haven't. The wonder of recording means I can actually go and check. I've taken two from each of the two labyrinth of bones and one from the crypt of sepulchral lamp and one from the start. And I've revealed one, two, three, four, five locations using clues. Oh, I should have one. I've... No, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I should have one. Because I've taken one from gate to hell, two, two, and one. And I've revealed one, two, three, four, five, six locations. And I should have got six clues. But that location shouldn't have cost me any. I got there in the end. So this turn was move, move, and play fire axe. Enemy phase. The corpse dweller hunts into the blocked passage. The thing that follows hunts across into the crypt of the sepulchral lamp, and the spectre of death hunts over to the poltergeist. Upkeep. I draw dreams of the deep. And I go up to five resources. We go to two doom. And my encounter card is the pit below. Revelation. Attach to your location if there's no copy of the pit below attached. If there is, discard the pit below and it gains surge. Attached location gets plus one shroud, so it would be four shroud here. And at the end of the round, each investigator at the attached location takes three damage and discard the pit below. It's another decision point for me. Do I move up and fight the corpse dweller? I could move, hit, hit, and maybe chuck in quick thinking and get a third hit and hope to kill it. I would then take a hit from Thing That Follows, but I'd be away from the pit below, and I could maybe clear Dreams of the Deep. Or do I gamble and go into this Edge Catacombs location? I think I start clearing out what's chasing me, and we just knuckle into some fighting. Because if I go into this location, it's not what I want it to be. I'm running all the way back. So let's do it then. First action, I move up into Blocked Passage and the Corpse Dweller engages me. Second action, I attack the Corpse Dweller. I commit Dreams of the Deep to be a 2v3, and I spend two resources to be a 6v3, and I commit Resourceful to be a 7v3. Skull. I am one, two, three, four locations away. Ooh, I thought I was five. I am four. So I pass. I do a damage and resourceful fires and gets me that lucky back or the survival instinct. Think I take the lucky. Second action, a third action, move, attack. I spend all three of my remaining resources and commit this quick thinking, which makes me a four, five with dark horse, plus six, 12 on three. Minus two, that's going to be two damage. And I'll leave quick thinking committed because it gives me another action. 
tap Madame Lebranche for a resource, and I'll spend that resource to attack again. I'm just a seven on three. A puny seven on three. Minus four. Oh, let me just check I got that right. Four, five with dark was six, seven. Yes. Dead corpse dweller. And that's my turn. Enemy phase. The spectre hunts to the crypt. The thing that follows hunts and engages me. It hits me for a damage and a horror. The horror I put on Peter, the damage I put on me. Upkeep I draw, take heart. And I go to one resource. Oh, and at the end of the round, the pit below is discarded. We go to three doom. My counter card is... Ravenous Ghoul. Oh. Okay, now I'm wishing I took back that survival instinct. Get away from these guys. Okay, what do I do here? I can chop up the thing that follows, evade the Ravenous Ghoul, and move back to the candlelit tunnels. That gets me away for another turn. I think the order I do it in is I try and evade the Ghoul first. Or maybe I just try and evade them both. They're both difficulty three evades. So if I do a five on three, I could even commit take heart. And if I fail it, play live and learn. And if I pass it, pull back the take heart. Yeah, okay. I'll try and evade the ravenous ghoul five on three with take heart committed. Minus one, I'm going to pass. So I'll pull take heart back to my hand and the ghoul is evaded. Next on the thing that follows, I'm a five on three. I'll commit take heart to this one. Now, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to play the odds. I'm two up, which is great, apart from the fact I'm really deep in the catagones. So I'm expecting to fail sooner or later, which is why I'm being so aggressive with take heart. Five on three, minus four, fail. I could play lucky. I'm not going to. I'm going to let that fail. So I draw two cards with take heart, a stunning blow and another dark horse. I get two resources, and then I'll play after this skill test failed, live and learn for zero, which means I get to take it again and I'm now a 7v3 evading. Minus two, evaded. And I have a slaughter reaction left. The spectre of death is staring down at me. So I think my last action, I move to back down to the candlelit tunnels. Oh, for a quick thinking now, or have I used them both? No, there's only one in the discard pile to help me kill off the spectre of death. That'd be really nice. Enemy phase, the spectre hunts down to the stone archways and the thing that follows and the ravenous ghoul in the upkeep ready. I get a resource, I'm up to four. Do I want a resource? Yes. And I draw nautical prowess. That is handy. We go to five doom though. No, we don't, we go to four doom. My encounter card is... A poltergeist! Oi, oi, oi. Hmm. I'm pausing for a lot of thought here. Is that lone location off to the right the location I seek? If it is, I could do something like evade the poltergeist, move in there, start working, but I'd have the spectre of death breathing down on me. The alternative is I try and evade the poltergeist, move on the spectre of death and try and fight it. Hmm, maybe that's better, five on four with a lucky in hand. Or I could attack the poltergeist and commit stunning blow. And I'm a four attacking, four on three. If I pay one, I'd be six on three. Stunning blow would make me seven on three. 
but then I'm taking a hit from the spectre because I've used the stunning blow on the spectre. No, I have to try and evade five on four and I'll commit nautical prowess six on four. <sighs> Tentacle. Well, I'll definitely pull nautical prowess back, but that is a big fail. Don't have a way of retaking. Hmm. If I try and parlay, I'm essentially dead this turn because the thing that follows in the spectre of death are on me. Or I just move, dragging the poltergeist, and I put the two horror on Peter. And then I attack the spectre with my third action, committing stunning blow to it, so that I would stun the spectre. I'd still have the poltergeist on me. I'd take another two horror. I could put one on Madame Lebranche and one on me. And then the following turn, I just try to go to town on the spectre of death and try to evade the poltergeist. And I have a little bit of leeway. Okay, I'm going to try that. It's bold. It's kind of crazy. Let's do it. So I move to Stone Archways, taking two horror, which both go on Peter. And my last action, I'll attack the Spectre of Death. I'm a four on three. I'll commit Stunning Blow to be a five on three. One resource makes me seven on three. And we are one, two, three, four away, so I'll leave it at seven on three. Cultist, minus two. If this token is revealed during an attack and the skill test is successful, it is, this attack deals one less damage. So I deal no damage, the spectre is exhausted, and it says while the spectre is exhausted, it takes one less damage from each attack made against it, which I think would have meant I would have not done the damage anyway, because the skill test is successful, so I would evade it, and then I would do damage, I think. At the end of my turn, I heal a horror from Peter, and then I take two horror from the poltergeist. I'll put one on me and one on Madame Lebranche. I draw a guts. Oh, and sorry, the thing that follows is hunted over to the crypt above me. And I will take a resource to set up Lucky. Yeah. And we go to five doom. My encounter card is Grasping Hands. Well, I can't boost five on two, five on three. Minus four. Failing by two, I'll pay one and be lucky and not take any damage. How to deal with this delightful treat. Okay, I can go broke the first time to do two damage to the spectre. Then I can get another resource and try and do another couple, probably taking more hits this turn. But I should just try and see if I can kill it off. So I'll spend three resources to be 11v3 attacking. Minus three, two damage. I'll exhaust Madame Lebranche for a resource and attack again, which makes me a six, seven with Dark Horse. And I'll commit 73 and four away. I won't commit anything else. Minus two, two more damage. And then I'll attack again, five on three. And I'll commit Nautical Prowess and Fire Axe to be 7 on 3. Elder Sign! <laughs> yes! Well, okay, he's definitely dead. I'll use my ability to pull back Nautical Prowess, because I'm hitting anyway. And in my discard pile, don't want Stunning Blow. I think I commit Resourceful, because it's a combat test, which also gets me lucky back. So get those two cards back as well. 
and the spectre is gone 2vp into the victory display have we just turned a corner or is it too little too late let's find out at the end of my turn i heal a horror from peter he's back down to one and then in the enemy phase the thing that follows hunts onto me and i take three horror and a damage so one goes on peter he's on two one goes on me do i kill madame Lebranche? yes because i'm on five damage and getting scared so Madame Lebranche is defeated with the last damage and horror. Upkeep I draw, second resourceful, and I will take a resource. So cards in hand, resourceful, guts, dark horse, perception, nautical prowess, lucky, resourceful. Gotta just sort of keep throwing luckies in. It's a hand of five skills, one event, one asset. We go to six doom, and my encounter card is the shadow behind me. Revelation, put the shadow behind you into play in your threat area. Limit one per investigator. Action, you look behind you. Hmm, strange. Forced, at the end of your turn, if you did not perform the above action, you must either discard all of your resources or discard all your cards in your hand. Then discard the shadow behind you. Now, I really don't want to discard these seven cards. So it would be great if I could finish the turn with one resource. But how do I go about doing that? First, think I need to try and evade this poltergeist. I'm a five on four. Chuck a resourceful to be six on four. I could chuck nautical prowess to be seven on four with a view to bringing it back if I need to. And I have a lucky. That's what I'm going to do. Seven on four. Minus two. So that's a minus revealed. So I can draw a card with nautical prowess, which I'll do. And I'll then pull Nautical Prowess back to my hand, which makes me a 6 on 4, Poltergeist Evaded. Now my deck is down to 6 cards. So if I kill the thing that follows, chances are I'm seeing it again soon. But killing it might be a good idea. Or do I just evade and move? Ooh, there was also Resourceful committed to that test. I could get back a Madame Lebranche. I could get back a Take Heart. Ah, I'll get back survival instinct. Okay, action compression. I've used my pullback ability. Next, I'll try and evade. Five on three. Survival instinct is a six on three. I'll commit this unexpected courage, which I drew with the nautical prowess, to be eight on three. Skull. I am one, two, three, four away from the start. Evaded, and the free move moves me to the candlelit tunnels. And with my last clue, I'll move all the way over to this corner, corner place. It is the Tomb of Shadows. Four shroud, two clues, a victory point, And when it is revealed, advance to Act 1B. The Stranger's Shadow. Rows of skulls chatter their teeth endlessly as you pass through a narrow stone archway into a round chamber illuminated by firelight. In the centre of the tomb stands the Stranger peering into the blades. Across the wall, shadows dance and twist with the flickering of the flame. The stranger turns to face you, and his own shadow spreads across the wall, where his shadow's arms should be. Tentacle shapes emerge, enveloping the walls in darkness. He lifts his hands towards the wall, as if trying to show you something. Spawn the set-aside man in the pallid mask in the Tomb of Shadows. Check the campaign log, if Ishimaru Huruku is not listed under VIP Splain, search the collection for Ishimaru and spawn her at the starting location. Well, 
She got slain by Calvin, my friends, so we don't need to worry about that. The path is barred. The shadows cast along the bone walls shift into the shapes of several figures acting out a macabre parody of the King in Yellow. It's a two-clue total to advance. Objective. Tell us how to stop the path from opening. If the man in the pallid mask is defeated, advance. Or what's he trying to show us? Investigators in the Tomb of Shadows may spend the requisite number of clues as a group to advance. Which do we want to do? Well, it's four shroud and two clues. It says while the man in the pallid mask is here, he gets plus one health and cannot be defeated by his action ability. So we'd have to engage him and hit him twice. And we're on one resource. We're maybe slightly better set up for the clues. We've got a resourceful perception, nautical prowess, and lucky in hand. But that's the end of our turn. Did we not look behind us? We did not. So we're going to discard all of our resources, which is one, and discard the shadow behind us. Upkeep, I draw Madame Lebranche, the poltergeist, and the thing that follows ready. We get back to one resource. And we go to seven doom of twelve. My encounter card is a ghoul minion. Hmm. <laughs> Chop up the ghoul minion, try and get two clues. Seems good. I'll spend my one resource, which makes me a seven on two. Skull. I am one, two, three, four, five, six away. It's max minus five, which means two on two. Dead ghoul. Second action, I'll investigate. I'm broke, so my intellect is three. I will commit perception to be five on four and nautical prowess to be seven on four. No, eight on four. No, seven. Tentacle. I will pull back nautical prowess and I lose the perception. I have one action left. Chuck the nautical prowess again and hope to just blitz it. But then how do I get the last glue? I'm kind of using resourceful and lucky just to wing it. Give it a go. Not got much time. Elder sign, friends! Elder sign again! What timing! So I'm five on four. I can't pull nautical prowess back to my hand, but I could commit Eureka or Perception from my discard pile to this. I will commit a Perception, or shall I commit a Eureka and Hedge? All my weaknesses are out, aren't they? Yeah. I'll commit a Perception. So I was a five. Now I'm a seven on four. I get one clue. I get to draw a card from Perception. It's a flashlight. And the Perception comes back to my hand. That's my three. Enemy phase. The thing that follows hunts towards me. It's one location away. Upkeep. I draw a cherished keepsake. And I get a single resource. Mythos. We go to 8 of 12 doom. And my encounter card is Spirit's Torment. Attached to my location. After I leave the location, I either take a horror or lose an action. And I have to place a clue to get rid of it. Right. First action. We should try and just get this clue, shouldn't we? So I'll commit Perception, which makes me a 4 on 4, and Madame Lebranche 5 on 4, and Resourceful 6 on 4. Minus 1. Do I want the Resourceful to fire? No, so I'll pull that back to hand. Oh no, I do want it to fire. So I won't pull it back to hand because I'll get Survival Instinct again. I get the clue. I committed a perception, so I get an unexpected courage. I've got the two clues. That was my first action. I'm going to spend them. 
if you spent clues to advance, behind the mask. Recognising that the stranger poses no immediate danger to you, you study your surroundings and the strange shadows along the wall. He takes something from the fire, and the shadows twist and distort once more, revealing a strange diagram. Mark two doubt in your campaign log. Remove the man in the pallid mask from the game. Advance to Act 3A, leading the way. Well, guys, that is our first doubt or conviction after six scenarios. So I'm quite pleased that we've flubbed our way through not knowing at all. But there we go. We get we get our two now. Act 3A, leading the way. The shadows along the walls of the tomb begin to coalesce. Strange runic symbols twist into the image of a building with a tall tower, its spire reaching up towards the ceiling. Then the stranger beckons for you to follow and disappears through the stone archway. Ignore the forced ability on blocked passage. Objective, if each undefeated investigator is at blocked passage, advance. I've got two actions left. Second action, I will move back to the candle-lit tunnels, which sit directly below blocked passage, where the thing that follows waits for me. Third action, I will try to evade the thing that follows, and I will commit survival instinct to make me a six on three, and unexpected courage to make me an eight on three. But before I do that, I'll put a horror on Peter rather than losing an action from Spirit's Torment. Eight on three. Minus one, thing that follows evaded. I get to move, so I'll move into blocked passage where the ravenous ghoul is. And that means that each undefeated investigator is at blocked passage, so we get to advance straight away. Two acts in one turn. The secret exit. Following the stranger's lead, you take a circuitous route through the underground passageways. Well, no, it was two steps. We ran like one room in another room. Finally, you're confronted by a dead end. A tunnel blocked by an impossibly thick wall of collapsed bone and rubble. The stranger stands nearby, holding the partially charred skull he pulled from the fire in the Tomb of Shadows. What now? you ask, confused. He holds the skull aloft, and the floor begins to collapse into a pit of dark emptiness below. Bones and rubble from the wall fall into the pit, and it grows larger with each moment. The stranger bows, then falls backward into the pit before you can grab him. Wait! you call out, but it's too late. With the pit growing and threatening to swallow the catacombs entirely, you have no choice but to follow him. Resolution 2. Well, I can't say I cleaned up for XP. Two from the Spectre of Death and one from the Tomb of Shadows is it. We didn't see any more in locations. I'm just flipping everything else over. Yep, every other location had a VP before we didn't explore. What are the chances? No, three of them did. So the two in the second row had VP, Well of Souls and Narrow Shaft, and the one at the bottom corner was the bone-filled cavern that also had a VP. But I'm happy with three. That means I can get a second Peter Sylvester and I've got one to spare for perhaps a test of will. Fond of that. And I'll check the resolution to see if I get extra XP as well. Yeah, that was... I was scared with how many enemies there were, but the power of Silas to keep reusing his cards just cannot be underestimated. Meaty, powerful play from the sailor himself. 
Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. It's cool to be back on track with playing these. And, you know, obviously, sorry to see that Calvin ended his days. But yeah, I hope it's good. If you've got feedback for me, let me know. Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com is the way you can email. You can find us on Facebook. We're Drawn to the Flame. And on Twitter, we're also Drawn to the Flame there. You could also consider becoming a patron of the podcast. It means you get access to our Discord. There are other perks. Just go and have a look at www.patreon.com forward slash Drawn to the Flame. And thanks to our patrons as well for their deck feedback, thoughts, discussion. It's just really nice to have Uh, to feel like there's a community growing around the podcast as part of the wider Arkham community. I really like it. I'm really grateful for it. So yeah, thanks very much for listening and catch you for the next one. Bye. Sounds of the ocean guide your breathing. You're listening to episode one of Seelaxation with Silas Marsh, the only maritime relaxation podcast. You are floating on your boat and your troubles are sinking away. You are a tiny object on a huge, indifferent ocean. Your worries are nothing. You are nothing. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in.